All right. Hey guys, this is Jeremy Rico along with Matt Huber, and welcome to our brand new podcast on the volley. Matthew, I'm so excited about this. Let me tell you, I had a great time with our interview last week, and for those of you that don't know, I do my own podcast, the MASL Beat with Jeremy Rica, and I decided to have Matt on, and we had such a good time, we decided to create our own podcast, and welcome to the first episode. Matt, I, I wanted to take some time just to talk a little bit about you and I, and show listeners how we came about and where we came from and how we got into the game of indoor soccer, etc. So, do you want to start or do you want sure. me to? Start? Yeah, I can. I can. I mean, I can do that. That's yeah, cool. go for it. Go for okay. it, buddy. Okay. Well, so it all started. Let's see. It was year one of the Syracuse Silver Knights. So it was so 2019. I think it was the 2010, 2011, or 2011, 2012 season. And wow, that's far back, huh? Yeah. So um, my brother-in-law had tickets to uh, an indoor soccer game, and I hadn't heard of indoor soccer, so I was completely oblivious. Sure. Heard of heard of regular soccer, and I, I kind of watched it a little bit here and there. So we went, and it, like I said, it was Syracuse's first year, and I'll remember it was against the Rochester Lancers. Oh wow! Yeah, and the game went into overtime, and I believe Syracuse ended up winning that game. Don't quote me on that one, but it was just the. the Experience the the fast paced action it, it sucked me yeah. in, and um, that's what it does. Yeah, not and not only like I started playing indoor soccer. Um, my my wife was uh, an outdoor soccer player herself. She played for um, her high school and played in college. And I I was athletic. But I was not a soccer person, so I had no idea what yeah. I was do it, doing. But um, so we ended up playing indoor soccer locally, and we also ended up getting um, lifetime season tickets for the Silver Knights. So what they had devised was you pay five hundred dollars for season tickets, and yes. You got them for the entire life of the team. So however long the team was in Syracuse, you had tickets. Sure. So we ended up buying them for the second year. Yeah. And from then on, it was just every game right in the front row and Right. And that now, and that's what and that's what drew me in was uh, Now let me ask you this. Because you had mentioned something you said for the duration that the team was in Syracuse. So, does that transfer over to Utica then? It does not. Okay. But, I mean, you think about it. It was actually a really, really good 
idea. Oh, I mean, and I think that. I think they should have opened it up to more people um, because it was only the first 100. There were they only had 100 like 10 season tickets available, or maybe 75. I forget which one it was. Um, sure. But we, I mean, we snagged them up year two, and we were in the same seats for six six years, and it was well. I mean, well worth it. Talk to, talk to me a little bit about what you saw from the transition to from Syracuse to Utica City. Well, let me, I'll, I'll tell you the story of how I found out. Um, okay. I was, I was at work one day, and at, at this point, I had been covering the Silver Knights for a few years, and had gotten closer to Tommy Tanner. And yeah. he sent me a text message just out of the blue and asked me if I was busy. And I said, no. So I, I stepped away from work for a little bit. He goes, just to let you know, we're moving to Utica. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he went to the, the explanation as to why. Sure. And it, it kind of threw me off at first. But then at the same time, he kind of... He explained everything, and I'm like, okay, I can see why why this is this is happening. Absolutely. And the the, tra- the transition was pretty smooth. I mean, uh, they did offer season ticket lifetime season ticket holders half price for season tickets for year one of Utica City. So yeah, yeah we only ended up paying a hundred. Hundred dollars, I think, for the whole season, which was sure. absolutely worth it. I I pay a lot more. Oh yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I said this to you last week when we did that interview. I I said I I thought Utica is probably one of the best venues to be a part of in the major arena soccer league. It's absolutely phenomenal. I can't say enough about what Tommy has done in Utica and I have I've known Tommy for years I mean my my expertise in the MSL goes way back to back when it was the old NPSL and you know so I've gotten to know players and owners over time and you know I can't say enough about what Tommy has done with that organization, I mean, the fact that you were an expansion team last season and you made it as far as you did says a lot about what has been going on in the city and, you know, really in that front office and with ownership and with players and it's just been phenomenal to watch even for me who is a beloved rival of your team. It, it's still been fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's night and day. And and since I knew about the move to Eureka, it's I've known that I, I had a suspicion it may happen because I mean, sure. with with what he was dealing with is. The attendance wasn't really doing much of anything. No. And he didn't really have a lot of people helping him. 
Right. And now he's got the staff of the Utica Comets, which yeah. they're they're working on like eighty one consecutive sellouts. Like there's a lot more firepower in the front office. And it really makes a difference, I have to imagine, because even when the wave decided to make the move from the Bradley Center, which doesn't even exist anymore, over to the UW Panther Arena, it made a huge difference because they were getting more of the profits than what they were getting at the Bradley Center. Over at the Bradley Center, they were only getting about 5 to 10% of the profits because the rest of it was going to the Milwaukee Bucks. So you bring up an interesting point when you say, you know, it's easier to work together with another team because the Wave never really had that opportunity before. Now they do with the hockey team in the Milwaukee Admirals. So I, I completely get what you're referring to. Yeah, it's and going going back to the whole experience of it, I mean in in Syracuse there was it, it wasn't as electric. It wasn't as exciting. I mean no. the the on center is six thousand seats and when you only have twenty twenty five hundred people in there, it's not as you well no because because you know it's empty. I mean if you only have six thousand seats available and you're only filling up a quarter of that, it makes a huge difference. And honestly you look at Ontario and they kind of have the opposite problem where they play in this big arena. Well, at least to me it seems big and they're not getting it hardly any attendance. So, I again, I completely get where you're coming from. Yeah, and, and it's not, and it's not just like the, like it gets really, really loud in there. But the overall experience in Utica is leaps and bounds better than it was. Yeah, in no, I, um, I, I completely agree. Yeah, from from what I've been told, uh, the owner Rob Ash. Um, who used to be a, a hockey goalie is into um, Premier League soccer and he wanted to have something similar to that in the game day experience which is why right. Syracuse or Utica does the having both teams come out and the ref gets the ball right right and it, it makes it that that right there it's it's great to watch, and yeah, it's no, I, leaps and bounds better than Syracuse. I and you know the interesting thing is, you talk about a Premier League atmosphere, and really, you know what? Who else reminds me of having that is, ironically enough, is Mississauga. Mississauga has the tuning section. They have the floor that looks like a regular pitch. And it just reminds you of that outdoor experience. But uh, unfortunately, they just don't have enough fan backing at the moment. Do I think that's going to change? 
hopefully, I mean, as they get better, hopefully more interest starts to respire. But it's hard with a team like Mississauga because a lot of their players are local players. So a lot of them didn't really have that indoor soccer experience going into last season. So hopefully as time goes on, they get better and you see a lot more support for them as well. But talking about that fan experience and the Premier League atmosphere, that's kind of what business soccer reminds me of as well. Um, But I don't think anybody else does it better than Utica. I think Utica is hands down probably one of the best places to go to a soccer game. I think they've done tremendously well. And I don't think that's going to change for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been to a few arenas over the years. I've been to St. Louis, and I've been to Florida, and I've been to Harrisburg, and I've been to Mississauga. And, I mean, I think... For a game day experience, the and I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying this as a fan of Utica. I'm saying this as a fan of the MASL. I think Utica hands, you're right, Utica has the best game day experience. Oh, no, they from, do. From the kickoff until the end. And I'll be honest with you, that's one thing that we've worked extremely hard in Milwaukee about, too is bringing that fan atmosphere. And I think we've done a relatively good job. And I think I think that's the reason that you've seen, you saw Milwaukee finish, I believe it was second in attendance, only to San Diego last season. No, I think Milwaukee was number one. I think Milwaukee was one, San Diego was two, Utica was really? three. Really? Really? I, I think so. I thought for sure San Diego was one because of the whole yeah uh, Lance Donovan thing. Yeah, but I think I think you or Milwaukee had the most per. Yeah, I think they had the most. But you're right. I mean, Milwaukee. After watching Milwaukee for the last few years, I mean, you've got probably the best MC in the MASL in Van McNeil. Oh, the guy, absolutely. the guy is just awesome. Um, and then I'm not gonna take anything away from San Diego. I've never seen like a game day experience in San Diego, but they've got some great announcers. I mean, Craig Elston and Nate Abarea, or, or however you may pronounce it. If I'm butchering it, no, no, you're not. You, you're spot on, actually. Oh, good. Um, um, well, I, I won't take anything away from Nate or Craig because hands down, they're probably one of the best, but I can tell you they are no Tom Wynn and Art Kramer. Oh, just... wow. Art, Art Kramer is, is a legend. Yeah, Art Kramer is truly one of my best friends, and when I start explaining myself you'll figure out why I'm so immersed in the wave, even though, you know, I basically lived in Milwaukee my entire life up until 
five months ago when I moved here to Arizona. But the great thing about what the MASL is doing is that they're giving you a chance to watch their games, even if you're not in the town that your team is in. So even though I'm not in Milwaukee, I can watch all of their games, which yeah. is which is absolutely amazing because, you know, I don't like missing wave games. I, the day we moved was the day of the championship game, and it broke my heart because up until that time, I never missed any of the seven, well, at that time, six championships that we have won. I've been a part of all six. This past season was the only season that I was not a part of the championship. So, kudos to the MASL for making those games available. You know, we complain a lot about 11 sports, but the reality is... It's another way for us to watch the games. It is. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and the neat thing is, with YouTube, you can go back and watch the games again. Yep. That's, yep. It's, it's kind of cool because that's what I do at night. Like, I will put on a soccer match and I'll fall asleep to it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I do the exact same thing. That's really funny. Um... Rob, do you want to know a little bit about my background? Of course, of course. All right, well, so I actually started out as a diehard Milwaukee Admiral fan, and that's our local hockey team in Milwaukee. I had season tickets, I knew all of the players, and so I was really big into that, and one day... This guy by the name of Keith Tozer, I wonder who that is. Yeah. Uh, uh, Never heard of him. Right. He offered me a chance to go to one of the games. And quite similar to you, I had had never heard of indoor soccer. So I'm like, this has got to be the cheesiest thing in the world. Like, there's no such thing as indoor soccer. What is this? So I'm like, okay, fine, I'll go. I don't think I'll like it, but I'll go. I went and I absolutely loved it. It was just one of those things that you're like, I went to one game, but I gotta go to more. And so what happened was I started going to games. We bought season tickets. I believe our first year of season tickets was... 1998 99, or maybe it was 97-98, but it was our first year that we won the championship against Hector Marinero and the Cleveland Crunch. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but... I, I have. I've heard of them, and there were a few players uh, from those yeah. teams I'm well aware of, yes. And so, as time went on, I was asked by Keytozer, he had a program called Keys Kids, and it was a program designed for people with disabilities who wanted to go to games, and they got to go to games, and they got to meet the players after the games, they got to go in the locker room and get autographs, and it was just 
a really neat experience. So as time went on, I was offered the ambassador position for that program. And um, Keith basically said, hey, I'll give you free season tickets if you bring these kids down to the locker room for me, kind of introduce them to the players, and just show them a good time. I said, well, that's a no-brainer, of course. You don't even have to give me tickets. I'll do it for free. But he he gave me tickets, and it was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, some time went on, and I just became more and more engrossed in the Milwaukee Wave. And it's been that way since I can remember. And I remember thinking when Keith told left, I thought, you know what? It's never going to be the same. And truthfully, it hasn't been the same. Ironically enough, the head coach who is now of course, Juliano Oliveira is somebody that I grew up talking to after games because he was a player for Keith for many years. And he's a darn good coach, and I don't think people realize how good of a coach he actually is because I think when people when people saw that Keith Tozer left the wave, the first player... Well, that player, excuse me, the first person to come to mind to take over that job was Michael King. And I thought for sure he was going to be the next coach. And so when Juliano got hired, it was a bit of a surprise because it wasn't really somebody that I thought of as a head coach because... For those of you that don't know Juliano, he he's a really soft-spoken guy. You you when you think of head coaches, you don't think of Juliano right away because he is probably the most soft-spoken guy in this league. And so my first thought was, how is he going to get through to this? Team. How is he going to light a fire under their butts if he needs to? Well, you know, it's been five years since Zimmerman has been the owner of the Wave, and he said I had a five-year plan. In my first five years, I wanted to bring home a championship. Well, last year was his fifth year, and what happened? We won the championship. So, the other thing about me that people don't know is I am a licensed soccer coach. And I'm the only person in the U.S. with cerebral palsy that has a license to coach youth soccer. And a lot of people ask me, well, how do you do that? And it just makes me laugh because my response is always the same. I have a brain. I know the game of indoor soccer. I know the game of outdoor soccer. I know both games really well. And but the problem is when you have a disability, people look at you like, 
how are you going to do this? And ironically enough, how I got started as a coach is that, you know, I always told Michael King because Michael King is probably one of my best friends in this world. He, he's not only was he a genius on the soccer field, but the guy's a genius as a coach too. And I always told him, I said, I want to be a soccer coach. And he always said, well, send me a resume and I'll see what I can do. Well, I never did it. Never did it. So finally I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So he invited me to be a part of the Milwaukee Kickers Soccer Club in Milwaukee. And I was there for seven years. I got uh, two licenses and... Now that I live in Arizona, I'm part of the biggest, one of the biggest clubs in Arizona. And I have about eight certifications to go along with my two licenses. So, you know, you talk about indoor soccer. And if it wasn't for this sport, none of the doors would have opened for me. And I think you and I can agree on the fact that, you know, if it wasn't for this sport, our lives would not be the same as they are right now. Right. I can honestly say 100%. My life would be nowhere near as enriched from the game as it has been if it wasn't for this sport. I, I completely agree with you. I don't know, like, the friends that I've made and, like, I've experienced quite a bit over the last few years in regards to Syracuse oh, yeah. and in Utica, and I've been able to to travel and just go go to different places. And, oh, and, yeah. I mean, it's, it's what you do. I mean, I, I've been to Philadelphia. I've been to St. Louis. I've been to Chicago. I've been to Baltimore, unfortunately. Yeah. I've been, I've been to, you name it, I've been there, and, you know, if it wasn't for the sport, it would, it, I would have never traveled the way that I have, and if I were to make a list of people that have been influenced on me because of this sport, you know, the list goes on and on, Michael King, you know, Keith Tozer, Art Kramer is absolutely monumental in my life. Um, you know, uh, Chris Mormon, to go back a little ways, uh, Steve Morris, uh, Pat White, these are all people that I, I grew up being a fan with. And if you would have asked me that I'd be coaching, I guess, 90% of them during my time, in Milwaukee, it's just crazy to fathom that you would go from watching these guys on the field to coaching against them. And so that's crazy to me, but it's something that I would absolutely never change. Yeah, I mean, the things things I've done for indoor soccer, there's, I don't know if I've really told the story. There there are a couple of them. There's the second one I've, I've mentioned a couple times, but this story, um, I don't I don't believe I've told anyone. So, oh, boy. 
Okay, so I want to say it was five years ago. Um, I was home, and it was a cold, it was February. It was January or February, I forget which one it was. And I'm home, and I'm just kind of doing my own thing, and I was checking Facebook, and the Silver Knights had posted, we need uh, someone's help. Would anyone be willing to help us? Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll see. So I called the office, and and I go, what do you guys need? And they said, well, the guys are in Harrisburg today, and they grabbed the wrong shoes. Oh, no. Because I guess the, the, the field in Harrisburg is not the same as the other fields. Yeah. So... Well, I, I, I don't know if you recall this, but Harrisburg plays a farm show arena, which is... It's usually a dirt... A dirt yeah. Field. Yeah. Yep. So they had the wrong shoes, and they needed someone to drive them down. Oh, wow. So I'm like, well, let me find out. So I did the, the mother may I thing with my wife <laughs> and um, I called them back and I said, what time, when, when's the game? And they're like seven o'clock. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So they said, okay, we'll give you four tickets. Four tickets will be waiting for you at will call. So stop at the, the soccer center and, and pick up the shoes. I'm like, okay. So, took my car, drove to Harrisburg. Now, now how, how far is that from you, then, in relation that to... That was, okay, I want to say it was about a five-hour drive. Oh, wow. That's not just, okay, I'm here. No, but... it's not, no. Um, so, I get to the arena, and I'm running, because it's like, game time's like at 7.05. And it's 7 o'clock, and I am running into the arena, (laughs) grabbing my tickets. Now, mind you, I was the only one that went. It was just me. So I'm running into the arena. The guys are coming out onto the field. I literally threw the bag at them. I'm like, here you go. I threw it, and I I got to watch the game, sat down, whatever. Yeah. So... Drove back the next, well, I drove back that night, so I didn't get home until like three in the morning. It was a pretty, right. pretty hectic night. So the next home game, I'm, I'm sitting there, and uh, one of the PR guys comes up to me and says, Here. So he hands me this soccer ball, and I'm like, What's this for? And they're like, This is for, for what you did. The other the other day in Harrisburg, right? A signed ball from all of the guys. It was the game ball that they oh, all wow. signed. Wow! So, I mean, well, that's that's how dedicated I was at that time. I'm like, yeah, I'll go, go deliver some shoes to watch you. <laughs> well, I can give you. Well, I'll give you three of my favorite stories of the way. So, and then we'll end the episode there. Um, my first story is that 
do you remember a guy by the name of Victor Nagira? Yes. Our uh, goalkeeper, correct? Goalkeeper for many, many, many years before he went to San Diego for Dick Vorberg, actually. Okay. So, this guy never talked to anybody. He's one of those guys where he did his thing and he never really talked to anybody. You left him alone. That was just the way it was. And so, for some reason, he and I just, we had this bond. Like, we, we, we had this bond. I can't explain it. It was just a bond. And it all started in St. Louis. And I was just sitting in the hot tub with this guy. And that's how I got to know him. Well, fast forward a few years. We have a preseason game. And he thought it would be really funny. He's like, hey, I want to try something. I'm like, what do you mean you want to try something? He's like, I want to hurdle your wheelchair. I was like, wait, what What do you mean you want to? You're a star goalkeeper in the MPSL. What, what did you just say? He's like, yeah, I want to hurdle your wheelchair. So he goes, he goes on the other end of the hallway and he's running at me full force and I I, I'm like oh my god I'm gonna die I'm gonna die and and he he jumps over my wheelchair well he gets his pants caught on my handlebars to my wheelchair and he rips his pants in in the worst place you could Possibly, oh, possibly ripped your pants. Oh, God. So he lands, and all of a sudden he leaves. I'm like, where the hell did he go? Did I, like, tear his groin or something? No. <laughs> like, what did I like, do? And then he comes back and throws his pants at me and says, do you see what you made me do? So I had, I had a pair of... Victor Nagara's pants. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other one is pretty funny. Do you, obviously, you've been a part of the MASL for a while, so you probably know who Marcelo Fontana is. Marcelo Fontana, the assistant coach of the Milwaukee Wave and also former Milwaukee Wave player himself, yes. That, that is correct. So... So, we won the championship a while back. I, I, I think it was 2001, I want to say. It was back when it was the Blue Trophy. I can't remember the year, and I feel really stupid. And he's probably going to kill me for this. Um, actually, it wasn't 2001. It was 2010. I teamed up back. Sorry, it was 2010. And it was Cello's first championship. During this trophy like his, his little baby, he won't let go of this trophy. Like, he will not let it go to save his life. Well, okay, and it was on the road. We won the championship. And he, 
gets back to Milwaukee. The whole team gets back. They're celebrating. He's holding the trophy. He's getting off the bus. He drops the trophy. Oh, God. The trophy shattered into, <laughs> into thousands of little pieces. Jeez. <laughs> and, and so it should be hard. There's, they Obviously, they got it fixed. But that night, they're sitting drinking out of a shaft of a trophy because there's nothing left. You know, I, I've seen I've seen uh, trophies get broken like that, and that's uh, yeah, it's I can see that happening. Oh, it it happened. Trust me, it it happened. Um, and so the next day they had to go to a glass blower to get it fixed. It got fixed, thank goodness. But I am. You know, I've, I've never let that live that one down, and I probably never will, just because, you know, why would I? It's hilarious. It is a, it's um, a funny story. And my last story is pretty personal for me. Uh, it's probably one of my most exciting moments with the wave. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I, am, I was, I should say, the ambassador for that program called Keith Kids. So one of the things that Keith asked me to do back in 2001 was he asked me to give a speech at the 2001 All-Star Game Commissioner's Dinner. Now, you know enough about soccer to know that when you get asked to do that, it's a big deal. This dinner was like $200 a plate. Wow. So, so the fact that I got to go there and give a speech in front of, mind you, at the time, I'm 16 years old. So I'm scared to death because I've never talked to, in front of any crowd bigger than like maybe 15 people. Right. And, and you're looking at like maybe 500 people and I'm like oh my god this is this is horrible and <laughs> you know so so here I am a 16 year old talking in front of the commissioner and I'm like if I screw up I'm gonna look like an idiot like I I can't screw this up well I ended up getting two standing ovations that night and actually do you remember are you familiar with the Kincaid, the te- the the couple that owned the Kansas City attack. Probably not. This might have been before you. This, yeah, this, yeah. So, the Kincaid owned the Kansas City attack, and they said that I did such a good job that one of the prizes was you, in the, in the, the, what do you call it? There was a silent auction things what is it oh yeah 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 the prizes was you got a trip to San Francisco well they gave me that trip and and my first thought was what the hell am I going to do in San Francisco so I asked them I said listen instead of doing this 
Can I have tickets to All-Star Weekend in St. Louis next year? And so they gave me two tickets for the entire weekend. We're talking the skills competition, the game. I was honored before the game with Daryl Duran. And not many people can say that. Like, the fact that I got to be next to Daryl Duran is something that I will never, ever forget. That's really awesome. Wow. Because Daryl Duran was... You, you know Daryl. If you know indoor soccer, you know what a legend Daryl Duran is. I mean, uh, both on the field and behind the bench coaching. Oh, the guy, the guy is absolutely remarkable. And this was back when I believe I could be wrong. And because, mind you, it was still 2001. But it was back when Joe Reidinger was still with St. Louis before he came to Milwaukee. And if if you don't know who that is, he had probably one of the most hardest shots besides Greg Howes that I've ever seen in my life. So just to be a part of that weekend was absolutely insane. So, you know, you talk about this game and it's just I could give you encyclopedias of memories that I have because of the Milwaukee Wave. And, you know, people don't realize that this league is probably the most accessible league in sports. Hands down. There's not, Absolutely. There's not any other league that you can say, hey, you know what? I've had players to my house for my birthday. You know, I, I've been lucky enough to say that I've had Van McNeil over to my house. I've had uh, Greg Howes over to my house. You, I mean, not many people can say that. And I think that's what makes the MASL so special. And I, I think, you know, I, the love I have for this game is absolutely incredible. And I... I really hope people start supporting this league. I really hope we're able to get more people to support this league because it's a league that undoubtedly deserves the support. Um, I'm going to end the episode here, but uh, I'm going to try to do this every week with you, Matt. Um, Basically, what we're going to do is just go over the games that happened throughout the course of the season, give our analysis, stuff like that. I believe, if I remember correctly, first games are November 17th, correct? Um, that That's a preseason game. The regular season starts on the 22nd. See, that's why you're my co-host. Because I, <laughs> I, I would have made myself look like an idiot. So, thank you for that. I appreciate it. No I appreciate the the uh, correction because I honestly thought it was the seventeenth. Um, yeah, the seventeenth. Yeah, the seventeenth is a preseason game between Dallas and St. Louis. I do believe. Now, here's an interesting question: How many players that we, on that day do you think will actually play that we will see during the course of the regular season? Because 
In my opinion, I don't think you'll see very many. If it's if it's anything like um, exhibition games I've seen yeah. in the past, yeah. I I think you're gonna see the regular players play, but you're not gonna see them as often. Right. Um, right. Utica did a was it blue and black and blue game last season, and a lot of the guys played in it, but they also had guys that were from the combine. Right. And I, I could I see that I could see that happening. Oh I I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a good way to do it because you know, yeah, trials are great, but there's nothing that's going to simulate gameplay more than a regular game against a regular team. So, you know, I think that's a good play on the part of Whoever takes part in the preseason festivities. Well, Matt, you know what? It's been an absolute blast. I learned stuff about you that I had no idea. And I never knew you played soccer. That that's so interesting to me. Yeah, I played I played indoor soccer for a few years and I actually ended up playing goalie. Um, why I ended up playing goalie, I have no idea. Um, but I think the reason why I did, just to kind of to give you the, a quick version of this, I think the reason why I wanted to be a goalie is watching Brian O'Quinn. It's Great goalkeeper. One of my favorite goalkeepers to watch. He's a... He's a great goalkeeper. Fun fact about this, um, he actually was on a Japanese TV show. What? Yeah, so years ago when... And Syracuse was on a power play. Yeah. And I will remember this. This is one of my favorite plays of all time. So... It was Syracuse, Missouri. Uh, Syracuse was on the power play. Vahid Asadpour stole the ball and was on a breakaway. And O'Quinn stopped him three different times, I think. And, and then Ryan, I think Ryan Jungi was also on the field and he tried scoring twice. So Ryan Jungi, yeah. O'Quinn, so O'Quinn made five saves. It was basically like two on zero. So wow. O'Quinn, O'Quinn took the ball, threw it down the field to, it was uh, Jamar Beasley, or Beasley, DeMar, or DeMarcus Beasley's brother. DeMar. I think it was Jamar Beasley. You passed are correct, sir. Yeah, he, he passed it to Brian Perez. Perez scored. That's the loudest I ever heard Syracuse get. Wow. So, fast forward a little bit. We find out, and, and that night, but let me rewind. That night, I'm in bed, and I'm trying to get it on ESPN Top 10. And I had called it the O'Quinn Tuple Safe. Right. So, you fast forward a little while, and you find out that this highlight made a Japanese TV show. 
Wow. So if you go on YouTube um, and you look it up, it's the craziest thing because they show the video and like the the, the people's reactions on, on the Japanese TV. It's it, it it's pretty it's it's pretty off the wall, so to speak. It is. It it's hilarious. So, and that's that's the reason. I, I wanted to be a goalie is because well since, since you brought it up here's a little Milwaukee Wave trivia for you who's one of the only players to make the top 10 of sports center from the Milwaukee Wave okay well indoor soccer made top 10 on ESPN I I think Tenzin, did Tenzin Rampa make it that's a, my boy. Yes, he did. It was the bicycle kick save, right? He cleared it off the line with a bike. Yes. Yep. I remember good, that. Good for you. I'm surprised you knew that. Well done. Well, thank you. Hey, just real quick. You know I'm a Chelsea fan. Did you catch the Ajax Chelsea game today? I did not. Oh, my goodness. Down 4-1 to one and we came back to tie it. 4-4. And you know what? You will never see a crazier half of soccer in your life. Go look up those highlights because if you don't, you're crazy. <laughs> Kelsey fan. I am a Man United fan. So. Oh, we can't. Wait, wait, wait. We can't be friends. Okay, so this podcast is over. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. It was fun. Right? Oh, right. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. How were you a man united fan? That's disgusting. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of gravitated towards them. Uh, I had a, I think I still have a jersey, a man united jersey that I oh. bought for Christmas for myself. Um, oh. But yeah. I'm a man you fan. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. It's, it's been fun, but I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. I don't know if I can let that one go, though. Oh, uh, well. I mean, for, for, for the podcast's sake, I'll have to do something. But... <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna have to convert you into a Chelsea fan. Well, you're gonna have to, to try pretty hard. I, I follow sports. I'm a diehard sports fan, and all the teams that I have followed have been have had their really, really bad streaks, and I've stuck with them. So, <laughs> yeah, I know that's going through a tough streak hard. right now. So, you know what? I thought Chelsea was going to be really bad because of the transfer ban and everything and they've done reasonably well so I think Frank Lampard has done a tremendous job over there and I think they finally found the right guy for the job and hopefully I'm right but we'll see yes. but anyway anyway, man it's been fun we'll do it again next week alright let's do it alright buddy take it easy you too All right, bye-bye. See ya.